Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, Newegg's return program is scamming their customers. We'll talk a bit more about that, whether it is intentional or not. Sony buys the makers of Halo. Facebook is showing signs of weakening as their user base finally dips. And I have a ton upon ton of stories about NFTs and blows being struck back. All that and more come up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, you know what's the name of the is? Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. There is quite a lot to talk about today. Quite, quite a lot. First, though, before we get too far into it, I want to talk for a moment about the controversy surrounding Spotify and podcasting right now. So right now, um, tons upon tons of singers and musicians are threatening to pull their music if Spotify doesn't remove podcaster Joe Rogan. Now, personally, I'm not real. I'm I'm very indifferent, leaning towards not liking Joe Joe Rogan. Mostly because the style of podcast he does is part speaking his own mind, which is fine. And also part letting a guest take over the show, which I personally am not a fan of. If you're going to do a podcast and you are the host, it is your show. It is up to you to make sure that the podcast, that the show you are doing, goes in a direction. If you are handing over the wheel to someone else of your show, you are no longer the host. You are now just letting the guest guest host. But we're trying to lie and say that they're not. That is my thoughts on his podcast. But the thing is that everyone trying to go ahead and say, like, we're pulling everything unless Joe Rogan is completely removed from from Spotify. You know, that's not going to happen. His podcast is way too big. And here's the other sad, sad truth. When it comes to the income of Spotify. The ad revenue generated by music on on Spotify is negligible. The musicians themselves are not making any sort of brave and bold decision to pull their stuff. Because in the end, what they get is like something close to like YouTube ad revenue money. Where it's like a tenth of a cent per view it might even be less in the case of Spotify so these brave musicians trying to go ahead and 
and make this brave stand. No, you're not. Don't kid yourself. Now, the ad revenue generated through podcasting is another story. A podcast, unless it's my early bird briefing podcast, is longer than a song. Thus, there's more opportunities to insert ads. Now, oddly enough, Spotify's own built-in podcasting platform, of which Joe Rogan does not use. He, of course, just goes ahead and uploads it directly to like a legacy sort of system that's directly integrated with Spotify rather than Anchor, which is just kind of lol what. Is just like it is way, way more. What has happened, however, is I have noticed this on the Anchor platform. Anytime now I upload an episode, there is a reminder at the top that specifically says in a giant orange banner it's brand new have you read Spotify's platform rules if not click here and that brings you to an to an FAQ about the platform rules and they're talking about basically do not broadcast illegal content. Do not go through and try to sell illegal drugs, illegal firearms. Do not try to go ahead and perform any sort of scam behavior and all, all, all the sort of generic sort, sort of nonsense. They're trying to go ahead and show that, no, we are doing this correctly. The other thing I'll just, the other thing that also came up is that, um, Almost 100 episodes of Joe Rogan's podcast has just magically vanished. It's unclear whether Spotify did it or whether Joe Rogan himself did it or one of Joe Rogan's producers did it. But if it is Spotify, you foolish fools. When you have this kind of mob come after you, you can't even give them an inch. Because once you give them an inch, their yells are not going to stop. They're not going to lessen. They will only grow because you have given them an inch. And thus, they plan to take a mile or the whole thing. The other thing is that the whole basis of censorship and the thought of you must think the way I think or else you're wrong and should be silenced is a mentality I find disgusting. I absolutely hate the mentality. Because it's that kind of mentality that would have us just all using Chromebooks and MacBook Pros and nothing else. Chromebooks are the bulk majority of what's 
what's in schools, therefore the, they're the correct decision. And if you're wrong for daring to want a real computer, then you must be silenced. That kind of mentality is beyond toxic. I do think, however, if there is talk about that, that a Chromebook is like, let's take the Chromebook, for example, Chromebooks are great because it requires very little maintenance and very, and very little and is super useful and cuts down on cost on schools is an, is the ultimate solution. Yes, it is. At the same time, it is also teaching the kids whose minds are very young that a Chromebook is the only kind of computer to use and that they'll never know the actual full capability of a real laptop or how to use a real computer when you get out into the real world. That is a helpful conversation. That is actually getting to the base. So that, that actually is getting down. That, that is actually helpful. A back and forth to help all sides of a, of a point of view being seen so that you can go ahead and make your own intelligent decision. Now, I, for one, obviously have made it very, very clear. I am super against Chromebooks. And when you have stories like college students not knowing what a file system is. Thank you, Chromebook. It's, it's what I need in my life. Someone in chat says they know that Chromebooks are the minimum. A lot know that Chromebooks are the bare minimum. But a, but a good number do not. Now, that being said, the Novell sort of server client systems that I grew up with in, in my school, um, yeah, those were bad. Those were real bad. But at least you then knew how to use a file system. And if you knew too much, you would go ahead and install Half-Life Deathmatch onto the main server and copy-paste the entire compu- that entire game onto any desktop you, you wanted and then, and then your entire uh, class would start playing Half-Life Deathmatch, which also is not good. Someone in chat says, I heard people use Chromebooks to do taxes. You can, because a Chromebook can use any and all Android apps. Just without the touchscreen. So there's a bit of a, a learning curve to that sort of thing. Like you can do a lot with Android and Android is a more capable operating system than, than Chrome OS. Which is kind of weird because Chromebooks can use Android apps. So it's this weird blend of uh, you could technically use a Chromebook for a lot, but only because you have barely shoehorned in Android apps. Someone else in chat says Chromebooks are coming with with touchscreens almost standard nowadays. They are becoming more and more common. 
with uh, touchscreens, but coming as standard with them? No. Unfortunately not. Although that might be, although maybe I'm wrong in that regard. The last lot I saw with, with a whole bunch of Chromebooks, it was close to 6,000 Chromebooks and none of them had touchscreens. The, the overwhelming bulk of them that are actually bought for schools, like consumer Chromebooks, I do see a lot of them with touchscreen standard now that the cost is getting down. But the ones that are gotten for schools, no. No touchscreens. Not that it really matters because, well, a lot of places just aren't getting any new computers. Like here, going to my buds who go ahead and get a whole lot of off-lease equipment from both businesses and schools. Computer-wise, they have... A bunch of broken Lenovo all-in-ones, an Apple Mac Mini, a Dell Thin Client, and some pre-builts they bought from a company named Simmons. No laptops. None. Zip. Zero. Nada. No Chromebooks. One brandless Core i5 server. And... Two no-brand desktop towers that are BIOS-locked. Yikes. No one's upgrading computers right now, which is a shame. Very few computers... I am so glad I'm not in the computer refurbishing business right now because I'd be starving. There's just no other way to look at it. Oof. Oh, hey, there's a 120-inch Cosmo electric screen. Whatever the heck that is. What is that, like a giant TV or a digital board? What the heck is it? Wall-mounted or ceiling-mounted screen for larger rooms with control... Okay, well, that's not helpful. Yeah, it is... It is not a good time to get anything used. I'm actually stunned they don't have, like, a pallet of Chromebooks just sitting around. That's just showing you how desperate times are right now for stock. So yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, I would still strongly recommend a cheap used like Latitude or a ThinkPad, some little 12-incher for someone going to school since it's a real computer and it's best to get them, you know, using a full-blown computer instead of a limited one. But, God, right now with the way the shortages are, just get whatever the heck you can. Just good luck 
not getting ripped off right now. In fact, another fun fact, uh, streaming computer here, looking to upgrade it. Started parting out and looking at what it would take to build a new one with older parts. The older parts are selling for the exact same amount of money as current parts. I'm not even kidding. No joke. Second gen Ryzen eight core part sells for the exact same as current gen as current fourth gen Ryzen. Two generations old sells for the exact same as current gen. That's just how mad it is right now. Someone in chat says easier to buy buy a complete system new. God, it's just good luck. That's all I got to say is good luck. A lot of complete system new is on back order right now. And even brand new, like, like I just mentioned, the cost of the parts is exactly the same as new, so you might as well go new. It's a weird, weird state, state of affairs we're in right now. Uh, but I'm keeping my eye open on the used market. Hopefully from suppliers I trust, there can be a cheap workstation I can just scoop up with more cores than my current one. Anyway, should we actually get, should we actually start the podcast 15 minutes or 17 minutes into the podcast? Someone in chat says your their Ryzen 1600 may have gone up in value. There's a decent chance it has. Just for funsies, let's actually take a look. On Amazon, Ryzen 1600. $270 in box with cooler. It actually has gone up in value. This world has gone insane. How much was that chip new? Like, I want to say that one new was like 250 or something like that. $80 new? What? That's what the person in chat said. They paid $80 new for the Ryzen 1600. That's nuts. Anyway, let's actually start the podcast. How about that? So one story that uh, has been weird is a supposed security vulnerability in Streamlabs. Now, full disclosure. All right. I have used Streamlabs since I started streaming six years ago. Back then, they were called Twitch Alerts. They were a very basic function, and I basically just stuck with them just because I was in the ecosystem and everything they added was just like, oh, that's kind of neat. I have recently, after the whole revelation that Streamlabs has basically shown zero respect to the rest of the industry, blatantly stolen ideas 
and have plagiarized websites pretty much per verbatim and then changed a little bit here and there when copying other people's work and also when it came about that they used the word Streamlabs OBS without the consent and actually OBS specifically came out against Streamlabs and said, do not use our name OBS. Streamlabs went and used it anyway because OBS is open source. And well, they don't own a copyright on the term OBS. I made the conscious decision to begin migrating off Streamlabs. And as of right now, I am almost completely off of Streamlabs. Almost. There's like a few more bits of my setup that need to be expunged of Streamlabs equipment. Now, that's my bias. Let's take a look at the claim. This is from someone by the name of Marvin Witt, who claims that there is a security vulnerability which lets people take over your linked YouTube slash Twitch channel with Streamlabs. He then goes on, or, or she, I actually don't know, to further elaborate to say, quote, to further elaborate on this, there have been several streamers who have been taken over by a certain Kotec detective, which is misspelt as D-E-T-E-K-T-I-V, or better known by their old alias, Garcolum. All affected streamers had the same thing in common. They used Streamlabs for donations. Below you can see a video of them doing their little hack on the YouTube channel, Time Dio. All the information displayed in, in their little dashboard does match the information Streamlabs asked for when linking your account to their dashboard. And then went ahead and showed a screenshot of the permission Streamlabs asked for when linking your channel. Now, it's not uncommon for... It's not uncommon for a system like Streamlabs to require a lot of permissions, especially since Streamlabs is such a robust system that it basically can take the place of your broadcast software. In fact, I used to have the mobile version of Streamlabs on my phone where you'd basically just stream straight from the app on your phone to your Twitch channel. So thus, it's not surprising at all that a linked Twitch or YouTube channel would have complete control because the app can take complete control and does. They then link several more videos, and I'll be perfectly honest. The evidence shown is not rock solid. It really isn't. Streamlabs, however, did give a full response. At first, Streamlabs' response was just kind of, it's, it's fake news, lol. And I'll admit... Streamlabs just saying it's fake news, lol, doesn't help when uh, my trust for Streamlabs is basically gone. 
I have zero trust in Streamlabs. They have, however, come out with a better statement. Saying, quote, we are aware of the alleged security issues. Our developers have investigated this thoroughly, and we don't believe there is an issue on our end causing these problems. We have no reason to believe your channel is not safe and secure. This issue is reported by YouTubers who use Streamlabs as well as YouTubers without any linked accounts to Streamlabs, meaning creators who, who have never used our services have experienced the issue. I'm now trying to find the third of third tweet in this, and I just cannot find it. There it is. We contacted the YouTube team yesterday to find out more and see if we can be of assistance. So, on the surface, if Streamlabs is to be believed, they have nothing to do with this. And there is no security risk in using Streamlabs. That being said, I personally, because of my biases I mentioned earlier, would not recommend using Streamlabs. I would strongly recommend, even if it is going to take time. I mean, my transition was over the course of what, two months? Now, if your alert system is very simple, meaning that it's just a GIF and text under it for your alerts, Stream Elements does have a tool to just easily trans, trans, uh, excuse me, uh, transfer over. If your more complicated alerts, like I, I do on my channel, you're looking at transcribing your alerts over by hand. And I'm just lucky that the people who provided my alerts do have a version that is compatible with stream elements, or I would just be remaking them all with basic image text. Which honestly, there's nothing wrong with that, but with the whole high tech vibe I kind of got on my own setup, I much prefer the whole flashy look. So that's the story of Streamlabs. And that's where I stand on the whole thing. So there you go. Is your, is your stream at risk? Eh, probably not. Even if it was, the odds of a small streamer getting targeted by an attack like this is extremely small. The sheer number of streamers out there in the world, both on YouTube and on Twitch, is astronomical. It's to the point where my channel, which averages usually about a dozen viewers, ranks in the top 2% of streamers in number of concurrent viewers, which that in itself to me is absolutely insane. But that just shows how many people out there are considered streamers with zero or one viewer. It's a lot. Like a lot, a lot.
this sort of attack, if it does use Streamlabs, is going to be focused on one kind of target. It's not even someone like me in the in the top two percent. It's gonna be the in the it's gonna be the streamers in the top zero point zero one percent. It's gonna be the big fish. The ones where the moment they hit go live, there's five digits of people wanting to watch, or even four digits of people. Those are gonna be the people that are gonna be targeted for this kind of attack. That being said, I'd still recommend switching off stream Streamlabs. You want you want to know another attack that you're super unlikely to get get targeted by? A tracking attack across the web that uses your GPU shader cores. To execute. Oh yes. A kind of hack that is so obscure. You have to have. A particular flavor of GPU. That's using a particular kind of GPU shader cores. And in the end. Once the attack is executed. They will know. Your exact location. Now, there's going to be a number of people that hear this and immediately the tinfoil hats go on and are immediately paranoid. I'm never going to use a computer again. Oh, my God. I'm, go- I'm going back to MS-DOS. Forget the shaders. No GPUs. No nose. I'm more impressed that you can find my location based on GPU shader cores. Like, What? The ability to render shadows and shading on 3D objects. You're using that hardware to figure out my exact location. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. Like, how even? And I'm not going to lie. I'm not even going to pretend I can describe exactly how it's done. That is way beyond my pay grade. I'm just impressed that it was done. We're going to take our first break here. And when we come back, I have a whole lot of uh, interesting stories, including uh, a giant smuggling rig inside of Amazon. Oh, yeah. And Newegg is committing scams. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Here's a fun one for you. If you thought that there that there is no money to be made in uh, smuggling computer parts right now, how about this? An Amazon warehouse manager faces up to 20 years in prison after he was caught, or she actually. I don't. I don't think it actually. Oh no, it is a man. Never mind. After he is caught stealing two hundred and seventy-three 
$1,000 worth of computer parts and selling them to a wholesaler. Now, keep in mind, this $273,000 worth of computer computer parts is roughly the inflated uh, shortage price. GPU prices and computer parts in general are absolutely insane right now. We were just talking about how outdated pieces of components are selling for the exact same amount as their current gen parts, which is still just And then, of course, GPU prices have not calmed down at all. During the break, we were just talking about how the 1660 Super is currently selling for roughly $650. Whereas I bought mine for roughly about $200 two years ago. It has tripled in value. Because this world is insane. Someone in chat says two hundred seventy three thousand dollars, huh? So was that about five or six thirty eighties? Yeah, that that was it. It was just a handful of really high end GPUs. But that's my point too. Like the number is really high. It probably wasn't even all that much stuff. It probably was just like a couple pallets. But, you know, if you think that this chip shortage is just kind of, oh, it doesn't really affect me. It's just the high, high, it's just, you know, them crazy high-end gamers and whatnot. Look at the kind of money that can be made. Because I'm willing to bet this guy probably made out with probably a quarter of a mil. He most likely didn't get the full $273,000 worth. I'm willing to bet he probably... Came out pretty close to that, though. But that is the madness of the world we live in right now. And maybe that's exactly why Amazon has raised the price of its Prime membership for the first time in four years. You want to sign that inflation is real? There it is. Right there. That is a sign. If you want another sign, actually pay attention to your grocery bill the next time you actually pick up. I was actually stunned to see mine was roughly, you know, 70% higher than what it used to be. It's crazy, man. But the yearly cost of Amazon Prime is going up by $20. Mm. That's, that's kind of noticeable there. $20 for your yearly Prime subscription. That puts it up to about, what, 160 a year? So I want to say it was 140. Oh, no, here we go. Here's, be- here's better info. The monthly cost is going to rise from $13 a month to $15 a month, while its yearly subscription increased by $20, 
to $140 a year. So you got to ask yourself, is that free next day shipping worth it? Good question. I'll tell you what, though, if you were one of the ones that got uh, Amazon Prime to go help with your and go get Twitch Prime and get those freebies. I wonder how many of those people are left. Like, I still have Twitch Prime, but only because the next day delivery for a lot of other stuff that I get for the business and wanting that stuff to actually show up at the shop that much quicker makes it worth it. And I don't even use the streaming service that's part of Amazon Prime too. But to see the price actually finally jump up after so long of it just sitting there going, yeah, this is fine. This is fine. This is totally fine. It it is kind of a moment of just eye openingness. Oh, and real quick on the whole topic of Twitch Prime, here's a quick story that ended up being uh ended up ended up be, being a nothing. One of the features of Twitch Prime that was pretty early on was the ability to have ad free viewing across the entire website. Amazon then got rid of that, much to the dismay of everyone. And now Amazon is really putting their foot down and trying to get pretty much every streamer and their mother to now start using ads in their streaming. Which personally, I go, hey, you know, I'm fine putting up ads, but I'm going to choose when they're happening. And I'm going to choose that they're happening during downtime. But that feature was gone from Twitch Prime. It was available in Twitch Turbo, which was their old subscription service, which is roughly, you know, it was like, what, $12 a month or something like that? But there were reports earlier this week of people with Twitch Turbo getting ads. Oh, no. Is this a sign that Amazon has finally caught on? Is Amazon getting rid of any way to get out of ads other than subscribing to that streamer? No. It it actually was a bug, and it's now been fixed. But that, that was like a big deal for roughly 36 hours. For about 36 hours, we thought... That, that Twitch finally put its foot down and you are going to get ads whether you like it or not. Nah, it was an ad. It, 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 it was an error. You're actually fine. Someone in chat says that's what ad block is for. You, you know what I actually haven't talked about? And this apparently caught a lot of flack. So apparently last weekend, before Linus's uh, uh, po- the tech podcast, what does he call it? It's like the WAN show or something like that. 
Before the WAN show, Linus Tech Tips put out a tweet saying that using Adblock on YouTube is piracy. And this set the Linus Tech Tips community on fire. Using adblock as piracy. How dare you? How dare you make this claim? He's not totally wrong, though. Because let's be honest, a lot of these sites, and YouTube is one of them, the price of admission for viewing this content at the upfront cost of zero are the ads. You are circumventing the method for paying for the content, which is watching an ad. So, I mean, I get that. It kind of is in a way. I personally will still use Adblock for a lot of the news sites I go to for one main reason. The sheer number of ads that show up in a lot of these sites makes their website literally unusable. So I can't even get the info unless I go ahead and use Adblock half the time. Though oddly enough, uh, when I during the week when I go ahead and hunt down stories to use, the computer I use that for does does actually not have ad block. So I mean, they're still getting something out of me. There is at least that. Now, in the case of Linus Tech Tips, um. He actually goes out and shows his income. He's very transparent about it. Even goes out and shows a pie chart of what percentage of his income, the company's income is YouTube ad revenue, how much of it is in video sponsorships, how much of it is every single time he uh, does an LTTstore.com plug which I just gave him for free. You're welcome, by the way. Not that I think any one of my, I'm, I am 99% certain everyone listening to this podcast has heard of Linus's store at one point or another. It has become a meme meme in and of itself. And like, he breaks it down pretty well. And the amount of money he makes from ad revenue is, I think like 12% of the whole pie. But the other thing is that just in the video itself, the actual YouTube ad that is served is not the full cost of admission. It is only part of it. To compare using Adblock on YouTube to, say, pirating Netflix is incorrect. 
Pirating Netflix, you are avoiding 100% of your costs. Using ad blocks on a, on a Linus Tech Tips video is blocking actually very few ads. Because there's three in every video you cannot block. There is the sponsorship ad at the beginning of the video. There is the sponsorship plug for his own shop and for his own merchandise store in the middle of the video. And then there is a sponsorship ad at the end of the video. You are still paying the cost of admission by observing all three of those ads. And then, of course, there are videos themselves that are in and of themselves also an ad. The whole video is a sponsored showcase of a particular product or or, or some sort of gimmicky thing using a particular product. So in Linus's case, no, actually. Using adblock is not even close to calling it piracy. It is partial piracy because you are avoiding some of the costs of viewing the video. But in the end, you aren't wrong. It is a flavor of piracy. It is not one that you're going to go ahead and get a legal judgment against anyone in a, in a court of law. But it is circumventing part of the cost of taking in the content. That's just all there is to it. And that also being said, it's not like Linus was out ed- like adamant about it at, or anything. His kind of position of is, yeah, it is a flavor of piracy. I just want you to know that. Okay, bye. And yes, I would still download a car. Because that sounds awesome. And I'd be dangerously curious about it. Because I know that question will get asked. The moment you start talking about piracy on the internet, you wouldn't download a car, would you? Yes! 3D print that car. Let's go. Let's see what it'd be. Even if it's the same as this extra small Lamborghini. Someone in chat says discounts are piracy then. He put the kappa on us. So I mean, he's, jo- he's joking. But I mean, if there are discounts that you have put on the content without the consent of the content creator, then uh, yes. It kind of is. Someone in the chat says, here's the thing. If you have, if you have three sponsor plugs and ad rolls in the middle of your content, then F you, I'm blocking your ads. In Linus's case, he only has an ad roll generated by YouTube at the beginning and at the end. The only thing that's in the middle of his videos is some random segue into into like, look at this water bottle, and then mentioning his store. 
it's like a second or two. It's not like a 30 second. Let me tell you about this amazing squirrel plushie that I got from a pizza hut. It's nothing like that. That being said, though, holy cow, I have seen some uh, some YouTube videos out there. 20-minute video pushes YouTube ads every three minutes. You better have some riveting content if you expect me to sit through that many ads. That is absurd. You know what else is absurd? Newegg. Member Newegg. I remember. They used to be the place to go to if you wanted computer parts. There was no exception, no substitute. If you wanted computer components, Newegg was the place to go here in the U.S., Well, Newegg has made some odd life decisions down the road. First off, they decided to become a marketplace. Meaning that anyone can go ahead and sell their stuff on Newegg as long as they get approved. And it now actually makes trying to buy stuff from Newegg a... uh, an experience. Well, there have been some reports, and it was hard to prove these before, of Newegg denying valid return parts. Returning parts, and Newegg just saying, we are denying your, your, your we are denying you your return. Well, it's kind of hard to prove these he said, she said sort of things. Unless you go ahead and document every single step. Well, fortunately, by complete accident, tech YouTube outlet Gamers Nexus, who have not mentioned whether... uh, they believe that ad blocking on YouTube is piracy or not. They probably have, and I just haven't cared. Gamer Nexus puts out a ton of content. Just a metric ton of it, but I digress. They had a situation where they were testing a new CPU, and they're having trouble getting it to post. They thought the problem was the motherboard, so they ordered an open box motherboard from Newegg. In the amount of time it took for them to place the order and the board to arrive, they solved the issue. So they never even opened the box of this item. 
and they sent it back to Newegg. Because you can do that. One of the things you can do with Newegg's return policy is that if you bought something by, by error, within 15 days, you can return it for a full refund. They never opened any of the boxes. I want to stress that. And then Newegg denied their return, saying that Gamers Nexus damaged the pins on the motherboard. So, you have, a, you have a number of things that could be happening here. One. Gamers Nexus has a policy to deny a vast majority of the returns in order to just reduce the amount of money they have to return to customers. That w- That is either questionably legal or very illegal. It's either one of the two. Two, there are internal miscommunications or bad employees in the, re- in the return department that just don't want to do their job and just deny every single one of the returns that come across their desk just like so collecting an easy paycheck without actually inspecting any of the goods. Or three, the open box department of Newegg is approving goods that never should have been approved for resale in the first place. Because that's the key in this, is that Gamers Nexus went ahead and bought a motherboard that was open box, meaning that someone else returned this motherboard before so did that department drop the ball I personally think it is either bad employees in the return department or bad employees in the verification department in either way Someone in chat says, definitely the third one. Newegg is notorious for substandard open box quality control. I could see that. I could definitely see that. But now here's the dilemma that Newegg has. They need, underline, need to bite this in the butt and they need to do it right now because this can be the sort of thing that ruins a company's reputation so let's be honest if I told you that Newegg is sending out damaged goods and then when you try to RMA it they tell you they tell you no and are basically scamming you You're not going to take that risk. You don't want that to become you. You're going to go ahead and order your thing from Amazon. You're going to go ahead and order your thing from someone else. Heck, you might even consider ordering from Best Buy. 
good thing is there aren't from anywhere but Newegg. That's no good. It'll be interesting to see how Newegg responds to this because now that there actually is an actual investigative uh, journalistic outlet like Gamers Nexus. I don't know if I consider them fully journalistic. They, they do have journalistic tendencies. And they are more informative than the average uh, tech YouTuber out there. Maybe about 50-50, whether to consider them journalistic in nature or not. But you know, it's not a good sign for you or your company. Here's a weird ruling for you, shifting gears radically. Remember the GDPR? The GDPR, for those who don't remember, is that one law that I totally forgot what GDPR stands for. It's like global data protection resolution or something like that. It was passed by the EU quite a while ago. And we went into great detail as to some of the kind of very broad regulations that everyone had to follow, some of which were good, most of which were just obnoxious and didn't really help anyone but whoever ends up getting the money from fines. Well, a rule enforcer from... uh, from Europe has deemed that according to the GDR consent pop-ups for consenting to accept tracking cookies are unlawful. then what the heck are they supposed to do? Oh, you can use tracking cookies, but you need to make it clear that you are using tracking cookies. All right, we'll put a pop-up. Oh no, that's not allowed either. For crying out loud. But according to... The regulators, these sort of pop-ups, quote, fail to ensure personal data are kept secure and confidential. They fail to properly request consent and rely on, and relies on a lawful basis, legitimate interest, that is not permissible because they because of the severe risk posed by online tracking based real time bidding advertising fails to provide transparency about what what will happen to people's data fails to implement measures to to ensure that data processing is performed 
in accordance with the GP GDPR and fails to respect the requirement for data protection by design. What? So first off, fails to ensure personal data are kept secure and confidential. Prove it. You're going to blatantly say that every single consent pop-up are all 100% broadly failing to ensure personal data is kept secure and confidential. How do you know? It's a pop-up asking for permission. The pop-up itself is not collecting any data. It then, quote, says, fails to properly request consent. In what way? All it is is asking for consent. In plain English. This site uses tracking cookies. Will you allow cookies to track your location and track information? Allow or deny? There might be a few out there, I will admit, that try to obfuscate it. I'm sure there are, but the majority are not. Like, I feel like this guy, whoever wrote this, guy or gal or puppy with a pen, I don't know, just went ahead and just started going ham with this and is just like, nah, this is how we're doing everything. Everything illegal, lol. I'm sorry, I think the GDPR enforcer here is wrong. And I'd say the burden of proof in this case lies on them to prove this is the case. Now that being said, let's flip let's flip it around a little bit. A bit of an update to the Dutch dating apps story. We talked about before about how Dutch dating apps, apparently, according to Dutch regulators, must be allowed to have an alternative payment method rather than just using Apple's, which takes a 30% cut. Well, Apple has relented. They will instead only charge a 27% fee for Dutch dating apps if they use an alternative payment method. That makes everything better, right? See, a whole 3% discount. That'll help cover the 3% payment processing fee that you most likely pay to use an alternate payment provider. All right, quick, raise a hands. Who thinks this is gonna fly? Anyone who thinks that uh, that this will satisfy Dutch regulators? 
Anyone? Any, any anyone? Anyone? No? No one? Of course not. This is insulting on its face. There's just no other way to say it. For Apple to think this will I will be stunned. Underline stunned. If Apple is allowed to get away with this. But you know, maybe the Dutch regulator is just going to be asleep at the wheel and not be able to do basic math. But I kind of hope that's not the case. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Sony making a move to try and compete with Microsoft's growing gaming monopoly. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Sony has made a move to acquire a game developer for themselves. Sony has bought Bungie, the makers of Halo and Destiny, for $3.6 billion. Bungie has been on its own for quite a bit now. And, well, we're starting to see... Something concerning. And it was a concern when Microsoft bought Activision last week, or rather announced plans to to acquire Activision. And I should clarify that um, Sony has not bought Bungie yet. They have announced a deal to buy Bungie in a very similar manner that Microsoft announced a deal to buy Bungie. But in the case of Xbox buying or Microsoft buying Activision, Activision is a company in shambles. Activision needs desperate help. They're just being mismanaged into the ground. Bungie, on the other hand, is perfectly fine on its own. This is just straight up Sony making an acquisition because they want to go ahead and build up their arsenal. Whereas Microsoft's is very similar, but they also know that it's going to be a project. It is going to require... Rebuilding and rebranding the company. There is also a concern from other people in the in the know saying that there are many other big name developer acquisitions in the works. 
Could we see Sony by Konami? A lot of people are speculating that Sony might buy Square Enix. I don't think that one is likely. I don't think either Microsoft or Sony really have the stomach to acquire a titan like Square Enix. But there's a lot of concern that, you know, if this sort of thing continues, you're just going to end up having only like two or three companies own basically all of gaming, all of mainstream gaming, I should say. There'll still always be the indie developers. There'll still always be, you know, the small time publishers like Devolver out there. But if all AAA gaming just comes down to Sony versus Microsoft, with maybe Nintendo, it's a bit of a concern. Someone in chat says before FF14 exploded, it might have been a possibility. Now, not so. I think even before the popular FF14 exploded as much as it did, I don't think either of them would have had the stomach to take on a Titan like Square Enix. But at the same time, I say this as an outsider. Oh, of course, how could I forget? Tencent is is in the room too. It's kind of hard to ignore Tencent, but I try to do everything that I can to ignore Tencent as a gaming company. I view Tencent more as a... um, a uh, scam engine than a gaming developer or even a gaming publisher. Well, you know, that's just me. In a world, however, shifting gears radically, in a world where YouTube is trying to give, take away the ability to dislike, Twitter is testing a downvote button. Oh, the ability to dislike on Twitter. Okay. Okay. There we go. Actually trying to be some quality control on Twitter. I'm on board for that. I am all on board for anything to try and control the quality on Twitter. Cause let me tell you, it is a lot of work to keep my Twitter feed as clean as it is. Like, no joke. I would say almost on a daily basis, I end up having to mute or block random accounts. Just because it ends up being just randomly out of nowhere. Streamlabs might be very close to being being, uh, muted in my... uh, in my list. Just glance over at my, at my, uh, at my Twitter timeline. And I see Streamlabs encourage your audience to share your channel and reach major viewership by having a 
Streamlabs viewer count widget to show how many people are viewing your stream on your stream. Yeah, that might be very useful if you're like a simulcast streamer, but guess what? Almost very, 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 very few streamers do simulcasting. Someone in chat asked so people can be angry with buttons and not wor- and not words. Yeah, people can be angry w- with buttons and not words. The important thing with it though is to if someone say shares Actually, here's a great example. And this is a plague on I would assume every single gamer gamer's Twitter feed. Those mobile game ads that show content from games other than their own or just straight up show footage that is not for their game that is absolutely not in the game at all to be able to just go ahead and downvote that and kind of send the signal to the algorithm that this is not okay is a powerful tool to help and do quality control Assuming, of course, the algorithm just doesn't let bots overwhelm the system. That's another concern in the whole thing as well. All right, let's talk about meta. So a lot of companies have had their quarterly earnings. Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, has had a bad time. Facebook has shown a shrink in the amount of users using Facebook. And there's multiple factors for this. All right. One, of course, could just simply be We're now allowed to actually go outside and touch grass. And during the last quarter was towards the tail end of the Delta variant with no real strong variant up yet. Omicron was just starting to surge during the last quarter. It has now peaked and now we are on the downturn of it. Because that sucker spread faster than frickin' anything. That could be one reason. The other reason, of course, could just be... Your Facebook. You've had a massive PR problem for a long, long time. And eventually... You just couldn't find any more people willing to deal with Facebook. 
what else are you going to do? <laughs> There's only so many people in the world that are willing to trust you. What shocked me more, though, than Facebook's user count dip, though, was the stock market's reaction. The stock of Meta, the parent company of Facebook, dropped 26%. That's not a small amount. That is a massive dip. That roughly translates to, and this number is always misleading because it's estimated value. That made their estimated value in the market drop by 251 billion dollars I'll just tell you this right now um I am not a market expert I what I am about to say is not financial advice I am in no way shape or form an expert on the stock market With that being said This just reeks to me like an overreaction. And I do believe that over the next couple of weeks, it will correct back up. It just seems obvious to me. As much as I hate Meta, I hate hate what Facebook stood for before. And I hate what Facebook stands for, especially now. It is absolutely abysmal. So. Is that all there is to it? Well, it doesn't help at all that... uh, A mining billionaire in Australia is suing Facebook over scam ads that are using his image. And and I should state in this case, when I say mining, I mean actual physical mining for raw ore, not mining for fictional currency that uh, absolute lunatics believe is worth thousands. We, we should make that clarification here because this is the world I live in now. So, I, so Andrew Forrest here launching a criminal action against Facebook over scam ads being placed on Facebook is not helping at all. Now, this being said, I do believe Facebook's going to come out ahead on this. And eventually, this will just lead to Andrew Forrest turning his attention to the people who actually bought the ads. 
But this will be a fun one to see what happens. Just go ahead and start popping some popcorn now. This is going to get good. In other Facebook news, Meta is adding personal boundaries to VR avatars. So if you are a foolish fool who is in the metaverse and believe that you are being harassed because people are invading your personal space and virtual reality, don't worry. You now have a thicker hitbox so that people cannot get too close to you. They can only get this close to you instead of this close to you. They can instead now pull off the trick that you did back in elementary school of hovering your hands around their head saying, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. This is the world we live in now. Just don't use the metaverse. Don't use Facebook's metaverse. Go, go do anything else. What you shouldn't do, however, is get into cryptocurrency or anything of the nature. Because let me tell you, the crypto space right now is not in a good place. You want to know how bad of a space the crypto place is right now? Facebook has completely terminated their cryptocurrency project DM and are now in the process of selling the assets. They're out. Maybe that helped contribute to a lot of the stock value crash. Crypto twits thinking that Facebook is dead to them because they they refuse to get into crypto. Honestly, this might be the smartest thing Facebook has ever done. (laughs) Someone in chat asks what assets... Um, I'm not going to lie. I can't answer that question. I have no idea what assets there were. You know what assets there were? There was the sketchbook where they doodled in the margin while they jotted down their notes for how to make rich on crypto. That is the assets. I actually don't know that for certain. But let's get back into uh, other concerns, such as Chainalysis coming to the conclusion we have here that the NFT and crypto space is just absolutely lousy with money laundering schemes. I I, I don't know about you. I had no idea. Did you know about this? Did you have any idea that all these people that are just casually throwing out a metric ton of money were engaged in money laundering? No way. Are you saying that certain websites that use cryptocurrency to sell illegal drugs 
might have been using cryptocurrency to for money laundering? Dude, people are buying and selling NFTs to to clean dirty laundry? Oh my, oh wow. I feel like my mind has been opened. I, 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 I can't believe it. Who would have ever known anything about this? I, I had no idea. I feel like my mind's eye has been open. All right, now that I've injected you with a lethal amount of sarcasm, uh, let me put, put the cherry on top and say, No! Really? I'm shocked. Underline shocked. That being said, I mean... As much of a gnaw, really, this is. It is important for these articles to come out and present their evidence because it can be added to the arsenal of saying, I'm sorry, your picture of a fugly monkey it does not actually mean that you own it. It means you've been scammed or you're a criminal yourself trying to participate in money laundering or the person you bought it from just wanted to engage in money laundering. Yeah. I mean, here, you want to know how bad of a rap NFTs are getting right now? Electronic Arts is stepping away from NFTs. Let that sink in for a minute. The capital of Greedtopia is getting out of NFTs. That's impressive. And that is a great sign that we might be able to rid ourselves of NFTs. Other articles, however, are looking at what it's going to take to actually even turn a profit nowadays on crypto mining. And the difficulty is now getting to the point where places like Tom's Hardware are calculating it would take you 500 days to break even with cryptocurrency mining. This is the best news you could possibly get. Because this is what's driving up the price of GPUs the most right now. Is cryptocurrency mining. And if word starts getting out that the difficulty of mining crypto is now to the point where the current cost of GPUs make it so that's improfitable... It means it's going to force the price of GPUs down. 
because the only reason scalpers are able to get what they're getting is because cryptocurrency miners were buying up GPUs and just saying, hey, I'll make this money back. It's no problem. But it's going to take you over a year to make your money back, assuming the difficulty stays the same. Dude, that's a problem. That is a serious problem. Because the, the, the difficulty is only going to keep going up. It ain't going to get easier. It never will. And other NFT video games are starting to crash because the logic of trying to sell video game assets as NFTs um, doesn't really work when no one wants to buy the NFTs. As cryptocurrency prices begin to just plummet, and by the way, at the time of recording this, uh, the prices were trending back up. But I don't know how long that's going to last. Because everything in this crypto bubble is, it looks like it's starting to pop. But crypto games like Axie Infinity which is a Pokemon clone where you collect Exodal Salamanders and then trade them and sell them is just starting to die off. Because people are starting to wonder, wait, why is this worth money again? Yeah, and that doesn't help at all that to sustain the existence of these NFTs, I remind you, takes resources and puts strain on the blockchain, which all the blockchain is are cryptocurrency miners mining for cryptocurrency and consuming large amounts of power to do so and are designed to draw massive amounts of power to do so because that's how they work. Which also makes the... I actually realized I did forget. I did forget the story. Which then brings me to a story that I'm going to go quickly add right now. And that's Team 17. The makers of worms getting into NFTs. But they try to market it as environmentally friendly NFTs. Well, Team 17's NFTs were a special breed of bad. For one major reason. It was a decision made after they consulted pretty much no one. Large chunks of Team 17 were not told that this was going to happen. And in fact, subdivisions of Team 17 made public condemnations of their publishing overlords at Team 17, saying that we do not want this, we do not support this. Well, fortunately... 
in, I want to say, 24 hours, Team 17 killed their NFT project. After taking a massive hit to their public goodwill. Someone in chat said that is a big can of worms you got there. A whole can of worms that had to be unpacked. Although, you know what might actually really be the cause of it? The whole hatred towards NFTs now? It could be because of outlets like us getting word out there about how NFTs are a scam, about how NFTs consume unnecessary amounts of power for no adequately explored reason. It could be because outlets like my own talk about how NFTs are used for crime or talk about how NFTs are just used for just blatant corporate greed or that this technology has no hope of of being used in the future because it is just a serial number and a link to who owns the link and then when the source goes down you've got nothing or maybe it's because the verge tried to say that nfts are pronounced neft yes because it was an outlet i'm going to respect is the outlet that can't keep a consistent list of awards to give for ces yes that is who should decide how things are pronounced I make fun of the Verge every single year for coming up with a stupid, completely mindless list of awards to give to CES. But now we're going to go ahead and say NFT is pronounced NEFT. I'm sorry, Verge. Uh, No, it's not pronounced Neft. And you shouldn't be mixing two kinds of thermal paste when installing a a CPU. Uh, You shouldn't be installing a power supply into a case with a fan facing a steel wall. And uh, you should not install the long screw into the short hole. I'll just put it as bluntly as I can, Verge. Your staff is stupid. And the person who attached their name to this article, Mr. Miss or Mrs. Corin Faith, you're dumb. It is not pronounced neft. There is no way you are ever going to get me to call it neft other than for me to insult you. You just, no. Everyone is laughing at you and you deserve it. Or, you know, maybe the real reason that people are kind of just laughing at NFTs in general is because, well, surprise, surprise, $300 million of crypto has just been robbed in yet another blockchain heist. 
Crypto's the future, by the way. Crypto is the future. We're going to take our last break here. When we come back, we have a lot of weird and fun stories to get to, including the future of Stadia. Who wants to know the future of Stadia? Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, remember Stadia? I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? Stadia, for those who are unaware, is Google's attempt to get into cloud gaming. The concept of the platform is as follows. You pay a monthly subscription if you want actual good quality. You can use a free version that gives you absolute terrible quality. And you can play any game you have bought on that platform. And at first, there was roughly about a dozen games on the platform. Now there are roughly, I don't know, 20? I actually have no idea how many games are on Stadia right now. But the amount isn't exactly impressive. The problem, though, with the platform is that you have to buy the games at full value. This means that your $60 game for your game console costs $60 on Stadia. To which then you need, underline need, internet connection to function because of course you are not using local hardware, you are using remote hardware. You will always have that latency and of course you are well if you don't pay your monthly subscription you're then restricted to absolute low tier quality and then it didn't help at all that certain games you weren't even getting the quality you paid for But then, of course, after you bought all those games, let's say you bought 10 games, that's $600, and then Stadia goes down like everyone expected it to, um, you'd be left with nothing. Whereas in the case of the consoles next to me, when the PS2 finally was discontinued, I can still play my PS2 games, and even my PS1 games. When the Super Nintendo was discontinued, I can still play my Super Nintendo games because there's no restriction. You just need the console and the game. That's it. So, Google is looking to sell off the tech and assets of Stadia to third parties as Stadia has been deprioritized. I'll give Google credit. They let this project go on way longer than I expected. 
I expected this project to take a massive axe and be killed off over a year ago. Either that or be radically redesigned. And I'll just say this much. I won't miss it. I really, really won't. And as far as cloud gaming, for me, well... I'll, I'll be blunt. I don't see myself using it at all. The only kind of cloud gaming I can see myself using is ones where I set up the hardware. I know there's a couple of projects out there. I can't remember any of the names off the top of my head where you set up your own gaming PC and you run the game on that PC and then stream it to whatever device you want remotely. Like that would be something I would be interested in. But I'm also a crazed lunatic who sets up their own server in their second bedroom. Hey, I'm just saying no cloud storage fees for me. Frickin' 12 terabytes. All mine. In my own rack. No, no one should do what I do. Absolutely no one should go ahead and set up their own server rack with their own personal cloud. It is absolute... It, it's such overkill. It really, really is. But God, do I enjoy it. Probably just means there's something wrong with me. Blackberry! I can't remember the last time I... I can't remember the last time I said Blackberry either. But BlackBerry is selling their mobile and messaging patents for $600 million to Catapult IP Innovations. Who... <sighs> All right. Take your guesses now. What do you think Catapult IP Innovations are going to do with these patents? Come on, you can do it. I, I believe in you. NFTs. No, not... <laughs> no, this, kind of, this type of nonsense existed long before NFTs and cryptos. Come on, what, what are they going to do with it? We can do it. We can, we can figure it out. All right, fine, I'll say it. They're going to patent troll. It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. They're going to go ahead, use these patents to just sue any type of random company that comes remotely close to mimicking the way that BlackBerry encrypts their messages. 
I can almost guarantee it. It is to me it is just the most obvious thing that they would try to do. Not gonna lie though, it's been a while since we've had a good patent troll case. Actually, who am I kidding? Uh, we've never had a good patent troll case. They are all terrible. Someone, someone in chat asked, I mean, how else are they going to make money off it? They could license it. That is how most people go ahead and monetize out patents. They come up with a concept that anyone can do, but they patent it and then say, you can use our developed technology to license it out. That'd be the responsible thing to do. But let's be perfectly honest. If um, if that was something that was profitable, BlackBerry wouldn't have sold the patents. All right, I'm now thoroughly depressed. Let, let's, let's do something that actually has high hopes. Google wants to teach Chromebook repair classes. Oh, here we are again. The return of the Chromebooks. The inferior computer. The computer that continues to blight the planet. And give us nothing but subpar, inferior, inefficient machines that could be so much more, but they can't because they're hard-locked into quite possibly the worst flavor of operating system to ever blight the planet that was not made by Xiaomi. Wait, no, not Xiaomi. Huawei, that's the one. So this is what you're expecting, right? You're expecting me to go ahead and rip on this. Because of course, the only good Chromebook is a Chromebook that was never made, right? Honestly, no. Like, real talk? Although I think trying to teach on a basic, inferior, inefficient machine is terrible because you are getting people used to a system that does not function like any actual real computer in the world. Teaching kids how to repair their own devices on something like a Chromebook? Honestly, I think is ideal. Like, I'm serious. If I were to go ahead and uh, let's say any one of you listening right now wanted to go ahead and learn how to repair a laptop. If I took my Alienware M18X and threw it in front of you and, and told you change the graphic card, you'd be overwhelmed. 40 some plus screws to get in there. Daughter boards upon daughter boards getting in there. It's a massive machine. It's easy to get in there. You have a lot of space to work, but there's a lot of parts. A Chromebook, on the other hand, 
The one they're showing here, I see a motherboard, a daughter, a single daughter board powering one USB port and a headphone jack on one side, a Wi-Fi card, a battery, and two speakers. And then, of course, there's the keyboard and the palm rest that holds your that holds your trackpad as well, and then the screen. Like, it's enough parts that you have stuff there that is repairable and replaceable. Without being so much that it's intimidating. I think this is actually a great idea. It's a perfect device to go ahead and, and teach a novice how to go ahead and do basic repair on their own computer. And I, for one, am... I applaud the idea. I'm all on board for this. Go do that, Google. Go ahead and do a good person thing. Because you know what? It is at least possible to repair a Chromebook. But this next device, repair is... Near impossible. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the last burb. The last story of the day. The weirdest story of the week. I bring you the Crayobe. A company that is destined to be acquired by Apple. For you see, they have created the world's thinnest laptop a laptop so thin that it has no physical ports weighing in at 1.9 pounds it actually seems heavy at a thickness of only 7 millimeters and no I don't know why we measure in metric but measure the weight in Imperial. This laptop that has no physical ports connects to everything wirelessly. Well, this is freaking useless. How the heck does this laptop, the Crayobe X, charge then? Well, it charges wirelessly. You see the wireless charger connects to the screen. So you then have a magnetic wart hanging off the back of your screen to charge it. With a complete bezel-less design and a webcam that is just a center hole punch. I guess it's better than a notch. But don't worry, you'll have ports. They're just built into the charger. So everything you want to connect to the laptop, you just connect to the charger, and the charger transmits that information to the laptop wirelessly. And I mean, 
for what it is, it's an interesting little computer. 13.3 inches with a 4K display. Minus pixels, mi minus whatever it is for the hole punch. A 2 terabyte PCI Express SSD. Wi-Fi 6E. Up to 32 gigs of DDR5 RAM. Intel Iris Z graphics and up to a 12th gen Intel Core i7 28P. But you see why I kind of opened, opened this whole thing up by saying this is a company that's going to be acquired by Apple. This is absolutely what Apple would do. This is 100% what I would expect the next MacBook Air to look like. A wireless charging puck that attaches to the screen of the laptop on the rear and all the connection and I.O. is on the charger. You know I'm... You know I'm not wrong. It is exactly what Apple would do. Well, Crayobe or however the heck that's actually pronounced, beat them to it. No price on it right now. If I had to guess, I, I, I would say two grand for this laptop. Actually, no. Yeah, no, I would say about two, two grand, ranging up to three grand. And you too can enjoy living in dongle hell as now your entire computer is basically one giant spider monster that magnetically attaches to the back of the computer. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I do encourage you to check out my other works. We have the Early Bird Briefing that airs every single morning starting at 2 a.m. Quick four-minute podcast just like with topics just like this one. And we also have a lot of stories that don't make it into the main episode. Those make it into a bonus episode, which you can subscribe to ad-free at anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eagle falcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. I mean, there's a couple of things about this laptop I really do hate. I mean, first off, being so thin, there is no way you're going to replace anything. I do wonder how cooling's going to be. Being so thin, there's not a whole lot of thermal mass to dissipate that heat. But by far, 
by far the biggest crime this thing create this thing has the cable for the wireless charger that attaches to the back magnetically appears to be one piece with the rest of the charger come on you could have at least made it USB-C disappointed also who names their company Crayob C-R-A-O-B well we may never know